And we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All righty, folks. Today's a big old Thursday. Jeez. Sheesh. We've got preseason games on today, baby, and some good one. We get Eagle Steelers. Steelers just kind of we get to see Najee Harris which is always great hopefully a little bit more than we saw him in uh, game number one for them and then we also get the Eagles seeing where Jalen Hurts is at because we haven't really heard too much from him this training camp nothing great nothing really bad but he hasn't gone out there and won the starting job so we get to see where he's at currently for this Eagles team and then we get the Patriots and the Washington football team so with Washington we get to see the quarterback uh, can we even call it a battle anymore, folks? I don't think we can. It's pretty much Ryan Fitzpatrick already wrapped up the starting job. He's getting it done in training camp. All the receivers are loving him. I mean, nobody was saying that. No receiver was saying that they love the quarterbacks last year. It was Chase Young going to bat for Taylor Heineke. I, I don't know if y'all remember the video, but uh, we get Chase Young last season going, oh, it's he Heineke, Heineke, Taylor Heineke, and saying how much he likes Taylor Heineke. That's coming from the defensive end, which is, yeah, it's somebody that you want as your friend, but that's not going to really hold that much weight on the offensive side of the ball. This training camp, it's all about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Terry McLaurin say he's loving them, and we got these receivers saying that they're smiling mid-route because they know the ball is right where it's supposed to be, so... I guess we can watch Taylor Heineke against his Patriots team, but overall, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick winning the starting job. And then with the Patriots, it's Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Now, we want to see how Cam Newton is progressing here, year two under this Patriots system. And we're going to be able to get kind of get our first look at that in preseason game tonight because Cam Newton will be playing. And then we get to see how Mac Jones is looking because we're kind of hearing it's a decent quarterback competition over there with the Patriots. So we'll see if Mac Jones is progressing well and how he's looking so we got great preseason games on today we're gonna kind of make our picks we guessed and reacted to the lines yesterday I think we went two for two we were right on the money um so oh no the Patriots we missed that uh, we said Patriots uh, something like that whatever um, it was on the show yesterday so <laughs> if you want to hear about that it's at the end of the yesterday show uh, but we'll make our picks and all that talk it through a little bit more and then uh, also today on the show we will see if we can squeeze in an NFL team refresher uh, we could see stories they shouldn't go long but you never know on the show what happens so we'll see what we can get to uh, today so let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day and the first one up a little bit of an update on the Michael Thomas Saints situation so yesterday we kind of heard that Michael Thomas wanted a, a trade from the Saints. Uh, we didn't hear it was official, but some people were reporting that Michael Thomas was asking for a trade. But now it's kind of a whole different story today. We get this. Michael Thomas made the first steps to reconcile his relationship with the team meeting to discuss the situation. And this is coming from Yahoo Sports. So maybe everything just kind of got overblown for a quick second. And now everyone's like, all right, now that the dust is settled, 
All right, let's everyone take a deep breath, calm down. Michael Thomas is like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And the Saints were probably like, all right, we shouldn't have kind of, you know, um, you know, talked a little ill about you with your whole injury and all that, saying that you ignored us for three months. So maybe both sides kind of collectively said, all right, this is getting way out of hand. Michael Thomas is like, I want to be here with the Saints. And the Saints are definitely like, yeah, we still want you here. So there seems to be some reconciliation going on here with the Saints. And that's great. We don't want to see Michael Thomas not be with the Saints. The Saints team is still good. And we still want the Saints team to be good after Drew Brees. We don't want this franchise to go down into the toilet like potentially the Patriots organization is. We're going to, it's really all going to depend on what happens this season. If they go from Brady uh, success year after year, 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 after year. I'm sorry, folks. I got to do this 20 times year after year, after year, after year, after year, 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 year. Was that 20 folks? Because that's how long Tom Brady was dominating for the Patriots. And then they go one season with Cam Newton and everything just went crash and burn on them. Uh, but we'll give them a buffer year. We give them a buffer year. You get a buffer year, folks. Everybody gets a buffer year. Even Tom Brady was going to get a buffer year, but the man said, fuck a buffer year. I'm winning rings. Why use a buffer year when I can go and win the ring? So, Tom Brady didn't use his buffer year. Bill Belichick did. So, it's time for, that, for both of them to really step up to the occasion this season as well. So, we don't want the Saints to be like that, where it was, you know, greatness with that Saints team with Drew Brees. It wasn't as great as, obviously, the Patriots dynasty because that's just unheard of. It's unfortunate. Uh, but it was still really great. You know, every single year you expect them to get to the playoffs. Let's quickly go over what the Saints were doing just for, like, the past 15 years. Um, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they've ever missed the playoffs under Drew Brees, folks. So let's quickly get them up. Here we go. 2020, just last season, lost divisional round. 2019, lost a wild card. 2018, lost conference finals. Uh, 2017, lost division. So that's four straight years in a row where they got pretty deep playoff runs. And then they ended up missing it three straight seasons here. 2016, 15, and 14 going all 7-9. They got to the divisional round 2013. Didn't make it in 2012, but then we go on another nice little streak here. 2011, lost division. 2010, lost wild card. And then the 2009 season, that was when they won the Super Bowl. So over the last kind of, you know, 11 plus years, Super Bowl win, multiple uh, NFC championship game appearances, and really just always having a solid record. You know, the 7-9s, unfortunate, just missing out. But I mean, all these other th seasons, 11 11-5, 13-3, 11-5, 13-3, 11-5, 13-3, 13-3, 12-4. So, you know, we know Drew Brees is great, folks, and we don't want this Saints team to, you know, go into the toilet after they have, you know, when they kind of transition to their next quarterback and Michael Thomas makes that transition easier so Michael Thomas made the first steps to reconcile his relationships with the Saints now he's still going to be out for the first five weeks because of the injury but you know after that you know he's back out in the field getting it done making it easy for Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill to look good out there every single week so it's seeming like Michael Thomas is going to be a saint still and I'm glad that this is the case because we you know this is kind of the same scenario that happened earlier in uh, the offseason where Russell Wilson was like man I hate getting hit and they're really not protecting me out here they just got to do more for me and then that was kind of like a two-day thing and then you know everything was kind of resolved after that and this saints Michael Thomas 
ownership, team, front office, you know, ignoring them and not having the surgery, having the surgery late. It's kind of seeming like it's that whole Russell Wilson thing. Things boiled over for a day, not even a full day, and then everyone kind of takes a breath and then they're back and kind of, you know, acting like nothing happened. So we want this Michael Thomas situation to kind of be like what happened with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and not like what is actively still going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers where, you know, it, it was a big thing and then it continues to be a big thing and now we're a month later and it's still a big thing. Yes, he signed and he's playing this season, but it's still, it's like the big elephant in the room. Is he going to play next year? Nothing's kind of concrete on that. So glad that kind of Michael Thomas just took a deep breath. Got your kind of, you know, grievances out there. You got to air it out a little bit. And now take the deep breath and let's all try and work together because everyone just everyone is just trying to do the same thing. And that is to win a ring. And this Saints team could still, you know, be very, very good. They could be very, very good, folks. I know we did our team refresher and we've got them winning six games. But if they make it a solid record without Michael Thomas... If they can rely on kind of their great skill players that they have, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, even Taysom Hill's legs a little bit, and everyone just kind of, you know, buys in, this team, this Saints team can still kind of be the Saints team of the past couple of years of still getting to the playoffs, maybe not winning the Super Bowl, but making it decently competitive, um, at least in it the entire year. We're not talking about week 14 where, you know, they're already done, they're already mathematically eliminated, anything like that. So they still have an opportunity to be good but they really can't lose any other more pieces truly so I'm glad that Michael Thomas and the Saints are trying to reconcile this uh, brief misunderstanding whatever you want to call it mini boil over I think that's probably the best way to describe it. so it's a little bit of a mini boil over folks it happens it happens you know, even you with your job, you know, you, you, you hate your boss for a second. You say something you probably shouldn't have said. And then, you know, the next day you come in, everything's fine. And, uh, you know, it was just a little bit of a mini boil over. It happens, folks. So, well, uh, hopefully this uh, Michael Thomas thing doesn't get too far. And it's seeming like uh, everything is kind of hunky-dory now. Or getting there. All right, another little quick update of what we've kind of been talking about this week. Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman. We're expecting him to really kind of be a huge piece offensively for this Ravens team in terms of the deep ball and just overall real solid production for wide receivers. So we can expel this narrative of, you know, Lamar Jackson just being a running back. It's a little, it's honestly disrespectful and not the good type of disrespect. The respectful disrespect, I disrespect you respectfully. 21 Savage, folks, we will bring that up all the time. Um, you know, saying Lamar Jackson is a running back, that's disrespect, disrespectful, folks. So we don't like that talk. Um, and we want to just have Lamar Jackson, you know, prove everybody everybody that says that. I don't know if, if tr people truly believe that or they're just trolling, whatever it is. It's still disrespectful, however you're trying to do it. Uh, so hopefully Lamar Jackson can kind of dispel that lame narrative that's floating around all over the place. But we need Rashad Bateman out there for the Ravens to help do that and for have this Ravens passing attack to start being elite as it needs to be because they've tried, you know, the running method where we're going to be just a run-heavy offense. I mean, folks, they had 3,000 rushing yards total last season. That was most by far last season, and it still just unfortunately does not get it done. They lose to the Buffalo in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, Lamar Jackson throwing a pick six on the goal line truly doesn't help that case either, unfortunately. 
Um, but we still need, you know, higher efficiency offense here with this Ravens team so we can start comparing truly the Ravens to the Chiefs because on paper they should be the exact same kind of offense, but we can clearly see the drastic differences when we go and watch both the Ravens and the Chiefs. So we need Rashad Bateman out there, but we said this week that he got into a little bit of an injury, and just every day it's it's seeming to be worse and worse and worse and worse, and now we are getting this, that Ravens rookie wide receiver Rashad Bateman is going to have a, have surgery to repair a little bit of a tear in his groin, and he's expected to return in September. So first we heard John Harbaugh say it was like one to two weeks, nothing major, and then it was John Harbaugh saying he's going to be good good before week one and now we're just getting expected sometime in September and folks game start early in September September 9th I believe is the first day of the NFL season the Thursday, September 12th is the first Sunday officially of everybody kind of kicking off. But, I mean, that's still early in September. So, we got this entire month window. So, expect Rashad Bateman to miss a couple of games here. Maybe one, two, potentially three, four. I wouldn't say any more than four. I would probably say one to two. But that's still not kind of, you know, what we're looking for. We need this Ravens team to kind of immediately set the tone and get it done, start to finish. So, once again, Lamar Jackson can kind of play free and not have this nagging, garbage, disrespectful narrative that he's just a running back. And then it just hurts your overall wide receiver core because we know this man is number three on the list. Marquise Brown's number one, Sammy Watkins number two, and then Rashad Bateman number three. So, we're hoping for a speedy recovery here. For the Ravens rookie wide receiver, so this Ravens team can get off to a good start. Let me bump this story up a little bit. Um, let me find where it is. Where is it? I want to bump this story up a couple. Right here. Okay. So as we're talking about the Ravens wide receiver, you know, now it's putting more, even more pressure on Sammy Watkins. And we haven't really totally been buying into Sammy Watkins this offseason. It, it's, you know, we, we, we want to see. We, we know what he can do. We know what Sammy Watkins can do. Those first two years of his career were real solid. And then I don't know what happened. The man kind of beefed up a little bit and not in the good beef, the muscle beef, the little bit of a chubby beef. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so we were... We weren't really buying into Sammy Watkins this offseason, but but we're just getting this now, and this is what we want to hear from the man. So now is truly the time that Sammy Watkins must step up 100% because now he's really the only deep ball option for maybe the first three weeks of the season with Rashad Bateman being out for the first couple of weeks of September. So let's read this because now we could potentially start buying big into Sammy Watkins. So Sammy Watkins, he's 28. He feels like he's 19 in Baltimore. He eyes a thousand-yard season saying, quote, another Super Bowl as well. So this is fantastic. This is what we want Sammy Watkins to do to get back to that, you know, vintage Sammy Watkins of a thousand yards. We can quickly uh, bring up his stats very quickly again. We just looked at him the other day, but he's only had 1,000-yard receiving season in his career, and that was year two, and he also had 62% catch percentage with that, and nine touchdowns, nine touchdowns. That's what we want to see. Prime Buffalo Sammy Watkins right out of college. That was his best kind of year, year two, 2015, folks. It was freaking six years ago. Uh, so we haven't really gotten anything good, but if he can return to this, folks, this Ravens team can truly start putting themselves – 
on the map of legit AFC contenders coming out of the AFC to win the Super Bowl. And like we've been saying, this AFC is just getting more tough and more tough and more tough. It's Chiefs. It's Ravens. It's Bills. It's... Browns now even. It's the Colts, potentially the Chargers because we expect Justin Herbert to be good. It's the Steelers in their own division because of Big Ben and that amazing offense and even Najee Harris. It's potentially the Dolphins if their defense in Tua is panning out year two. It's the Patriots. You can never count them out. It's Billy B. You still got to give him his respect. So, I mean, we're talking nine, ten. Can we find a tenth team? I think we just rattled off nine. Let me do a nice even round ten. Oh, the Titans. How do we forget about the gosh dang titans it's Derek mother love and henry folks so we're talking about 10 10 10 gosh dang teams here in the afc that can we talk about the raiders potentially i mean there is great potential there so the afc could truly be a big old gauntlet to run through to try and make your way to participate we're not even talking about winning the super bowl we're just trying to say participation come super bowl sunday so the Ravens are really going to have to get their shit together, even in their own division, folks. I mean, we're talking about three teams deep just last season in the AFC North. Steelers being uh, winning the division at 12-4, and Ravens being 11-5, and and even the Browns being 11-5. and So not only do you have to be good in your division, but now once you get out of your division, we're talking about everybody else in the AFC. So we need Sammy Watkins to truly back up what he's saying here and truly commit on the field and be that great wide receiver that we know he can be and hopefully this Rashad Bateman being injured isn't going to hurt him too much and he can still be very very productive because he's kind of wide receiver number one out here yes we like Marquise Brown but he's a little smaller he's fast and that's the best thing we love about him but he's still a little bit smaller and you know him being on the deep ball isn't his forte and that's where Sammy Watkins comes in so let's read some of these quotes here and truly you know see what he's meaning here when he's feeling young and all that so here we go Sammy Watkins <clears throat> quote Honestly, I'm 28, but I feel like I'm 19. I'm trying to stay young, trying to do what the young guys are doing, doing extra work. Fantastic. Love that. Trying to just, you know, be that man again. Return to prime Sammy Watkins form, and we truly need to see that. What else do we get here? We get another quote. All right, uh, Watkins entering a passing game that pales in comparison to the Chiefs and Rams offense he was featured in the past four seasons. Quote, it's not about reviving my career. It kind of is. Uh, reviving your number one career. Yeah, you know, you were kind of the number two option there with the Chiefs the last couple of seasons. How many seasons did he play for the Chiefs? Uh, the last four seasons, uh, last three seasons, excuse me. Uh, so he's got the ring with the Chiefs, fantastic, and he was always kind of the number two option. He, you know, we like Tyreek Hill because he goes up, even though he's 5'10", he plays like he's 6'4", we love it, and that's what we need Sammy Watkins to do. And Sammy Watkins was honestly kind of the third target out there because we all know Travis Mother, Love, and Kelsey on the team, even though he's a tight end. So it is kind of a little bit of reviving your number one kind of wide receiver on a team career. Uh, but let's finish up this quote here. Quote, it's not about reviving my career. 
I've been to two Super Bowls. I did some great things in this league. Now it's like, what do I want out of the time being here? I want to win another Super Bowl. I want to go to the Pro Bowl. I want to have a thousand yard season. So it's many other things that I'm focused on this year. I think I can accomplish these goals here and have fun doing it. So that is absolutely great. He's striving for greatness here. He's striving for the Super Bowl, obviously, but he's also striving for the Pro Bowl. He wants to be one of the kind of top elite wide receivers in this league and that thousand yard mark we kind of you know that's a benchmark folks a thousand yards for wide receivers even running backs that's what we need to see you to do to have us buy into you to have us you know think that your team can win games consistently on a consistent basis and not you know a win week one and then a week, another win week eight and you know you finish the season four and 13 now that's not what we want to see we want to see greatness every single game Week in and week out. Uh, what does Sammy Watkins do in the Super Bowl? Let's get that up. Was he productive in the Super Bowl? He's been to two Super Bowls. Was it once with the – he's been to two with the Chiefs. Uh, the first Chiefs Super Bowl in 2019, he had – whoa, pretty solid. Five of six, so five uh, receptions on six targets for 98 yards. No touchdowns, but, I mean, that's really gosh dang good to have 98 yards in the Super Bowl. And he also was kind of getting it done in the postseason in that 2019 run. The first game where they put up 51 points against Houston, he went two of two for only 76 yards no touchdown, but I mean, 76 yards, that's a, you know, real great chunk. It only came on two passes, but then in game number two against the Titans, seven of 10 for 114 yards and a touchdown. So he truly was getting it done there for the Chiefs first Super Bowl. And then last season, when they went back to the Super Bowl, he didn't play in the playoff game against Cleveland. He didn't play in the playoff game against Buffalo. He did play in the Super Bowl, but one of one for 13 yards so really not that productive but I will give him credit for that 2019 Super Bowl run he was getting solid burn out there um and kind of doing his thing so we'll give him credit for that all right so Sammy Watkins love that he's kind of um you know expecting a lot out of him striving for you know more than just what did he have last season like 400 yards last season <clears throat> yeah 421 yards uh that's the lowest in his career the lowest in his career was 421, and that was last season. Granted, he only played nine games, but once again, the health is another aspect that we really need to see Sammy Watkins deal with. So, how is it overall looking here for the Ravens? Well, we need Rashad Bateman, but we believe in Sammy Watkins to kind of fill the first two weeks to really get great production until Rashad Bateman can come back, and then it's kind of full throttle, full send with this Ravens team to try and get to that Super Bowl that has kind of eluded them the past couple of seasons because of the Chiefs and the Titans and all that, the other great teams in the AFC that we've mentioned. So come on, Sammy Watkins. We're rooting for you. And maybe, maybe, maybe if Sammy Watkins does good this season, maybe we get this man on the canvas behind us midway this season, next season. We'll see. Sammy. If you're eyeing the wall, if you're eyeing these kind of high-achieving things, Pro Bowl, 1,000-yard season, why don't you try to strive for a canvas? Because there's only three spots on this wall, folks. Can't fit anymore. I would love it. I mean, I would have this wall filled up if I could, but we can only really fit three. So, highly coveted spots up here. Sammy, if you want one, go out and earn it, and we'll give you the place on the wall. So, keep that in mind, Sammy. <laughs> have that fuel your fire a little bit more. <laughs> All right. Let's keep moving on here. And this is, I don't know. What the hell is this, folks? What the hell is this? I'm so glad that, man, oh, man, we took notes and we studied that Hard Knocks tape. Uh, you know, our review is on our YouTube channel. If you missed that segment yesterday on the show, we broke down episode one of Hard Knocks. 
But what was not, I mean, nobody was even really talking about that yesterday when, you know, the mainstream media, you know, everybody really getting their kind of uh, takes in. Everyone was kind of just talking about um, Dak Prescott talking about his scars and Jerry Jones putting salt on his McGriddle. That was kind of the only takeaways people were talking about. We didn't even talk about any of that. We didn't even talk about any of that in our review. Um, But one thing that we did talk about was Dak Prescott's shoulder injury. We're done with the ankle. The ankle's old news, folks. All right. He's looking good. He's running on it. He's throwing accurately on the run. It's fantastic. The ankle is fine. That's no longer a problem with Dak Prescott. Now it's the shoulder, folks. And we listened very carefully at Hard Knocks. When we watched it, when did it come out? Sunday? When, what was, when was that? What was yesterday? I don't even know the days, folks. Jeez. Um, yesterday was Wednesday, so it came out Tuesday. So on Tuesday when we were watching it, we listened very closely to what the training staff was saying, the main medical doctor was saying, and they said that the Dak Prescott injury was nothing with his bicep, nothing with his tricep, and they called it a lat muscle injury. So we went to good old Google and found out what is truly a lat muscle injury and what is the timetable for him to return. So we talked about this, a grade one lat strain, typically typically requires requiring two to three weeks to get better, which is okay. I mean, you've got time to do that. No big deal. But then we're talking about straight grade two strains, usually taking at least a month. And he maybe Dak Prescott misses a couple of games, a game or two. Um, and then grade three, which truly, hopefully is nothing, uh, hopefully Dak doesn't have, but we're going to talk about it in a second. Grade three strains often require surgery however, and can come with considerably longer recovery periods. So that was kind of, you know, what we heard from the doctor, the lat muscle injury, and that everyone was kind of just brushing it under the table. Oh, no big deal. Oh, this was nothing. This is nothing. Nobody in the media was really even talking about it. They're like, okay, yeah, this is probably a grade one. No big deal. But then we get this. Why would you tweet this? Who's, who, who is running the Cowboys Twitter? Because you you made something that really wasn't being talked about and then you just exploded up the story for no gosh dang reason we get this the Dallas Cowboys official Twitter folks says this it's not a setback and it's not a reason to worry but quarterback Dak Prescott is planning on getting another MRI on that shoulder so why would you tweet this if there's no reason to worry? You're just causing the worrying yourself. You, you're the, you're the, you're to blame. It's like Spider, the Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other. It's like, who's responsible for making this Dak Prescott injury mainstream news? And it's the Cowboys. It's, you did it to yourself. So this is truly not good. Another MRI, and we've heard what Dak Dak Prescott's shoulder injury was all about. It's that full extension of the arm. That's when he starts to feel it as soon as he goes and fully extends. We heard that right from Dak Prescott's mouth. Folks, it's all in the Hard Knocks episode. You just got to listen closely. There's a You find out great information by what just people say, just kind of candidly and just talking just how normal people talk. You can learn a lot from that, and that's what we did when we were watching the Hard Knocks, you can learn a lot from that. So, 
Dak Prescott out here, maybe a little bit worse for wear, and maybe this is not a grade one strain. Uh, another MRI to truly figure out what's going on with this, and another reason why this is a little cause for concern is because this injury is really not common with NFL players. It's more common with baseball players. That's why the uh, the Cowboys asked for advice from the Houston Astros, the baseball team. So maybe the Houston Astros were like, yeah, he needs another MRI because you need to be looking for this and not that. Um, this is really what's causing it, and it could be a lot worse. So maybe we're not talking about a grade one strain here. Maybe we're talking about grade two, which is at least, at least, Google says it's at least a month, and this is coming from the MLB website, folks. The lat strain from their own website because it is a big kind of baseball injury out here or if it's a grade three and he needs surgery more rehab and now we're talking about Dak Prescott it's unfortunate I mean I don't even want to have these words come out of my mouth folks but I mean if you go back-to-back -back injuries on different parts you know missing two seasons I mean oof, the, the 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 fight back and to get back into the good graces of just you know just you know football fans and then your team and then the national media and then us thanks my fans we got to rebuy into you um so i mean that would just be awful for Dak's career especially since he just got paid and Jerry Jones was a little hesitant and a little reluctant to pay him early on because that's why he never even got the deal before um getting injured and then Jerry Jones kind of felt uh well he laid it all on the line so i guess i got to pay him now it just looks good it looks bad if I don't pay him, so I kind of got to pay him now, kind of force into paying him. But now, I mean, if Dak Prescott gets injured again, I mean, then it's just everybody saying that they're right. Everybody on Twitter saying, yeah, you know, why did why would you pay him after surgery or after a big injury like that? You know, we told you, you know, Jerry Jones, unfortunate, got what he deserved because you pay a man after injury. So it's just everybody would be saying, hey, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. That's going to get a little annoying, don't you think? So we definitely don't want that to be the case. So we're hoping this is nothing good, but Dak Prescott's going to get another MRI, and this is coming straight from the freaking horse's mouth, folks. The Dallas Cowboys Twitter, just absolutely, why would you tweet this? Why? You try to have this not make the news. If somebody says, is Dak Prescott, I've heard uh, somewhere, Dak Prescott's getting another MRI. You, you know, Jerry Jones or Mike McCarthy, whoever's answering, they the only acceptable answer is... Um, Oh yeah, it's yeah. I mean, yeah, it's nothing. It's it's literally just kind of you know ex um, what the doctors just said he had to do because you know that's typical course of uh, of re um, of of getting better. And then they answer the next question, or you just be like, oh yeah, I don't even know where you heard that from. I, I I'm not aware of that. Maybe you try <laughs> maybe you try to lie a little bit. Um, so. You just don't go on Twitter and say it's not a setback and it's not a reason to worry because you're literally telling everybody to worry by saying that. So Cowboys Twitter, their PR team, try to jump out in front of this, which is never a good sign. Whenever the PR team gets in front of it to try to bury a story, you know it's a lot worse than they are leading on. And that's kind of what it's looking like right here, folks. So maybe Dak isn't going to play week one and then the Cowboys would be absolutely screwed rude because they've got no backup quarterback I mean we just watched them in the preseason game I mean that was uh, like atrocious folks they put up three points the entire game absolutely pathetic Ben DiNucci Garrett Gilbert Cooper Rush I mean these are not the guys folks none of these are the guys ever so they're really screwed they don't have that Andy Dalton to at least provide something that resembles a quarterback out there so 
we're obviously going to keep a big old eye on this cowboy situation. I mean, how can we not when we get hard knocks? So next Tuesday's episode should be whoo Could y'all? Oh my God! I can't even wait now for episode number two. So. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll watch episode number two like a hawk when it comes out on Tuesday and pick up any other nuggets, any other breadcrumbs about this Dak Prescott shoulder injury. But uh, another MRI? Mm, that's never great. Yeah, we need another look because uh, that first look, we were hoping it's not, we were hoping it's not as bad as the first look, but we're going to have to take another second look at this. Get him back under the, the, uh, the microscope. Get him back under the camera. So, not good there. All right, let's still talk about Dak Prescott because he had a quote yesterday, and I don't know what the hell this man was thinking when he said this. Um, All right, here we go. Uh, Dak Prescott focused on wins, not stats, by saying, quote, I don't want to throw for 6,000 yards. That means we're not running the ball. So in context of this quote, somebody, you know, asked Dak Prescott, you know, how how it felt when you were on pace to throw for 6,000 yards last season, which he was, folks. I mean, we did talk about this. I remember talking – I don't know when. I mean, it was probably – couple months ago uh but let's get up his stats again because his stats were fantastic and y'all know we love the thousand uh the five thousand yard season here throwing for five thousand yards highly coveted no longer because we're in the 17 game era so we're gonna have to find that new magical number probably like 5250 now probably another 250 yards a little bit average-ish on what these kind of quarterbacks are throwing in a game uh but you know it's gonna take a couple of seasons to kind of get that official number under our belt but you know folks we'll track it and we'll have that number out to you as soon as we have that number but in the 16-game era, that 5,000-yard coveted season, like only 10 quarterbacks have ever done it in the history of the game. And Drew Brees did it like four times himself. Uh, Dan Marino did it once in the 80s. Shout out to that man. Um, I don't think Tom Brady has one. Um, Aaron Rodgers may. Jameis Winston's got one. It's just it's a real exclusive list right here. Um, that, and that's definitely a number that we love to see. So the fact that Dak Prescott through 1,800 yards. Let's get the extrapolation up again. I know we've done this, and I, I forget the actual number, but we'll do it again. Why not? You know, always refreshing. No worries. Uh, so he threw for 1,800 yards in just five <laughs> just five games, folks. I mean, oh, my gosh. That's just so amazing. I love that, folks. Oh, man. I should get this number. This number may be on the, uh, on the canvas behind us next season. Just 1,800 yards in five games. That's all that's going to be on the canvas behind us. That's amazing. Uh, but he was throwing. He was averaging 371 yards a game. Folks, I can't get over that. That's just brilliant. So he missed five games. So that's 11 games of throwing 317 yards. So let's get that up. Um, that number is 371 times 11 is 4,081 yards. Then you add the 1856 to that, and we're looking at 5,937 yards, which would be the record, folks. Uh, so let's just round that up to a close, uh, a nice round 6,000, and now we've got this man as the greatest quarterback of all time. If you ever throw 6,000 yards in a 15, uh, 16 games NFL season, I will say you are the greatest quarterback to ever do it, and I don't care. I don't care if you never win a Super Bowl. I don't care if you win an, never win another game after that I don't care it's just that's what I want to see right there so Dak Prescott, you know, humble Dak Prescott out here saying quote I don't want to throw for 6,000 yards are you out of your goddamn mind are you actually out of your goddamn mind if you ever throw for 6,000 yards even in 17 game season I mean I've even throw for six 
6,000 yards, that's still going to be real gosh damn good, folks. Like, we will still respect that 6,000, even if it is in six, 17 games. But, Dak, come on. What are you smoking, man? Oh, I don't want to throw for 6,000 because that means we're not running the ball. Screw running the ball. You just put up 6K through the air. This is definitely resulting into a playoff spot. Don't, 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 Dak. Stop being humble. Take Stop the humbleness a little bit. Go out and say, yeah, I almost did that. Yeah, I would have fucking done that. You better believe I would have thrown for 6,000. I would have actually gone for 6,200, but I'll, I'll settle on your low number of 6,000 yards for the last season if I didn't gosh dang get injured. Screw the running game. I do this. Y'all don't think I deserved all that money, but you're talking about me potentially throwing for 6,000 yards? And you don't want Jerry Jones to give me a big old deal? Psh, I do this. Me, number four, baby, Dak. Dak's back, Dak attack, Dak 6,000 yards, baby. So, Dak, please, please, stop being humble. Say, yeah, I would have loved to throw for 6,000 yards. Because everybody would, folks. Nobody's ever done it. You don't want to ever do it? You don't want to be the only guy to ever do it, the first to ever do it? Because it would affect the running game? Stop it, Dak. Come on. I love the running game, folks. Don't get me wrong, but I'm taking 6,000 yards over a good running attack. Unless it's Derrick Henry breaking the single-season rushing record. Then it's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, you don't for, throw for 6,000 yards. But Dak Prescott, yes, sir. You take that. You take that if you got that opportunity. Let's go to this article really quickly. Just to see how humble Dak is. The humble Dak. Oh, man, I, I just want to throw for 100 yards and just have the running game do it all. Stop it. Stop it. All right, let's see what we get here. And this is going to be interesting to see if they put this on hard knocks. We'll see. Once again, got to love it. The behind-the-scenes look. All right. Uh, actually, a lot of quotes here. Interesting. We'll see if we read all these. Let's see what we get here. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm reading the lead up to the first quote, uh, but don't confuse a desire to play with a goal of completely owning the show for the Cowboys. Prescott isn't out to reset passing records. You gosh dang should be, honestly. Come on, why are we not breaking records out here? I want to see records broken. Screw a team game. Okay, it's a team game. I'm, 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 I'm part of the team. I'm part of the team. So if I throw 6,000 yards, y'all should be excited for me because I'm on your team. Stop with this. Oh, we got to evenly spread the ball. I don't want to hear it. Throw for six. Folks, the first person that throws for 6,000 yards, you better believe they're getting a canvas behind us, folks. And that's going to be a potential permanent spot. I don't know if I'll ever take that down. So, Dak, you're telling me you don't want to have a permanent spot behind us on the wall? Come on. Uh, I'm not buying it. Let's get back to this. Prescott isn't out to reset passing records. He's out to stack victories and chase the title. You can do both. You can do both. Quote. <clears throat> I don't want to throw for 6,000 yards, to be honest with you. That means we're not running the ball. That means we're probably not doing the things that we need to do to be a balanced winning team. Psh, that's overrated. That's overrated. You see what rushing gets you? It gets you 3,000 rushing yards, and you bounce in the second round of the playoffs. The Ravens just did it. Be the Patty Mahomes. Be the Aaron Rodgers. Did you just see Aaron Rodgers last season? MVP? Close to, I don't know, he only had like 4,500 yards, but 70% completion percentage? I mean, I got to the NFC Championship game. Come on, be like that. Back to the quote. Back to the quote. Sure, it'd be great to have those numbers and to break that or have that record or whatever it is, but that's not something I put into my head. Okay, I'm not believing it. I'm not, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. If somebody said, hey, you want 6,000 yards and you say no, psh, psh, I don't know. I don't know about you. 
I don't know. Another quote here, quote, as I say, I want to be the best offense in the NFL, and I think the best way we can do that is if I'm not throwing that many yards or our run game is working, we're playing complementary football and we're winning a lot of games, and I think that's the case. Then hopefully I'm not playing as many fourth quarters trying to come back and do the two-minute drill as we were doing in those first five games that got me a lot of those numbers, and he is true on that, folks. He is true. I will give Dak Prescott smart old Dak Prescott. I get it, folks. I get it. I mean... They started 2-3, and three, folks, throwing 1,800 yards, so it doesn't result in the wins, and that is true, but, I mean, you that's basically the defense, you know what I mean? That's not, you know, you not rushing the ball effectively. That's just your defense being absolute garbage, <laughs> absolute garbage, and folks. I mean, they were giving up 20, 39, 38, 49, 34 points the first five weeks, folks. I think that may be the most points given up in the first five weeks in NFL history. I think that's real solid, at least top five right there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's the defense being absolute garbo, folks. All right, so humble Dak Prescott. All right, I'll give him it. I'll give him it. Um, what else do we get to here? Another quote. Let's uh, read the lead up quickly here. We know Prescott values wins over numbers, but if we were to play at a clip similar to where he was before his injury, it would be difficult not to give the comeback, give him the comeback player of the year award. Just don't ask him about it. Quote, that's not something I think about, honestly. It's not something he thinks about because he may have to kind of be comeback, comeback player of the year because he may not be playing this year. So that's why he doesn't think about it. Uh, quote, that's not something I think about, honestly. I want to be the best quarterback and a winning quarterback for this team. There's so many other team goals and team awards. Once again, humble Dak Prescott. I like it, but that's not what I want to hear. Y'all know I want to hear the villainous side, the selfish side a little bit more. Um, not all the time, but, you know, a solid number. I don't want to hear all this, hey, I'm here for the team. I'm here for the running game. I'm here for the team. Team, 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 team. Okay. Can we all just try to be great ourselves and, you know, stunt on people? I'm all about stunting, folks. Can we stunt on people? Gosh, dang. Drew Brees stunted on everybody by throwing multiple 5,000-yard season. And that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that, folks. Uh, let's continue on with the quote here. There's so many other team goals and team awards that I put well ahead of any individual award that I could receive. Not to only mention... There's so many guys that were injured, not only just with our team, but in this league that whoever gets that, I mean, that'll be special. That'd be great for them. But that's not, that's, I don't think anybody necessarily hurt. Actually, I don't want to speak for them, but is shooting for that, I guess. I want to be the best player I can be. And if that comes with it, then oh well. So, Dak Prescott. Humble as always. And remember, folks, what does Tom Brady say? 90% of the things I say to the media are not what I'm thinking. I think this is kind of one of that 90% times where they're kind of just giving that boilerplate, what you have to say, standard answer in the eyes of the media. I think Dak Prescott, if he said, if I throw for 6,000 yards, then Jerry Jones has to pay me the Patty Mahomes money. No? Come on, folks. Come on. So... That's where we're at with Dak Prescott. May not even play this year, but if he does, don't expect him to throw 6,000 yards because it gets in the way of the running attack. Psh, psh, psh. All right, let's move on here. And, uh, you know, 
um, we're not, folks, we don't bash players here. We don't bash players just to bash players. Um, if you're doing something, unfortunately, not very good or bad or even, do I dare say trash, we're going to call you on it and we're going to talk about it. And, you know, we'll see if there's any silver linings or if you are just a complete red flag now. But, um, you know, Zach Wilson, we haven't been liking what we've been seeing from him throwing his abilities. But, um, you know, I'm liking what we get here in this quote. And, you know, we'll go into this article and see if there's more quotes like this and, you know, can get behind what he's saying. Um, so we're not all about bashing Zach Wilson. And this could be something very good right here. So let's get into this. Zach Wilson on practice says, quote, I can't be afraid to make mistakes. This is where I'm learning what I can get away with and what I can't in that that a thousand percent, folks. Exactly what he just said times one million percent, one trillion percent. I love this one trillion percent. Absolutely. This is practice, folks. If you're afraid to flounder in practice, you're never going to get better. And Zach Wilson throwing, you know, seeing what he can get away with. And I love that he, that he says this. This is where I'm learning what I can get away with and what I can't. Yes. Test everything. Test your deep ball. However many yards you need to go. 60 yards, try the 70 yards, see what you can get away with, see <clears throat> throwing tight throws over the middle in double coverage where there's a very, very slim window, see if you can fit it in there, see if you can make those absolutely pinpoint accuracy throws when it's double, triple covered, when there's really not even a chance that the ball can be complete, see what you can get away with, so when you're in game time scenarios, when, you know, the 17 games that truly matter, when you're in that situation, you're like, alright, you can recall those instances where like, uh, yeah, I really can't make this, I'm not gonna force this is not the time for me to try this in a game scenario, anything like that. And for that, we can definitely start buying Zach Wilson a little bit more. Loving that he's truly taking the training camp process in the uh, practice process as just that. Practice. Making the mistakes in practice. That's when you can make the mistakes because there's no repercussions. What is the coach going to say? That's a bad ball? You say, yeah, I know. I was trying to see what I can get away with. And then you go and get it right on the next opportunity and then you just keep learning and getting better and figuring out truly what you are capable of and what you can do in game scenarios of where you have to put the ball so for that quote we absolutely love it fantastic the best thing we've heard or seen about Zach Wilson all offseason, finally, finally. And that's, you know, folks, we know, you, we know you don't have to tell us this all the time. Well, there's still four or five weeks before the start of the season, and he hasn't even done preseason games. I get it, folks. He's finally doing it right here, and we can finally start buying into him. And now in preseason game number one, we'll see, you know, what he's trying to get away with and what he's learning and what he's doing bad. So um, can't wait for that, folks. I mean, we we got preseason games on all weekend and you know on our show we are going to be watching the quarterbacks very very heavy we've got game pass we can bring up clips and plays and drives of the quarterbacks that are in the quarterback battle to see which one we're liking better we'll watch Zach Wilson he's got the starting job just kind of by default because there's nobody else good on this team so you know he's going to have to kind of you know prove that he can truly be the starter um, even though that he doesn't have to kind of go out and earn it like a Justin Fields does or like a Taysom Hill or a Jameis Winston or a Mac Jones or even a Trevor Lawrence. So 
Let's go into this article right here and just see what these quotes are. We get two, looks like, one beefy big quote here. So let's uh, read the lead up. Here we go. Wilson told reporters after practice that he's learning on the fly each day, not worrying about turnovers in practice, but rather using those lessons to prepare for when games matter. Quote, Taking care of the ball is 100% a quarterback's job. And one of my goals when I came out here and I got drafted was how can I adapt to this NFL game as quickly as I can? I can't be afraid to make mistakes, especially in practice. This isn't a game. This is where I'm learning what I can get away with and what I can't. So there's times, maybe in a real game, where I wouldn't throw that. But there are times when I'm like, well, let me... Let me try right here, and let me see what I can get away with. As we get closer to a game, we have to start teaching yourself, you know, in that situation, you know what, CJ got a hand on it, you made that play, and so it's like, well, next time in that situation, in that same look, I'm going to check the ball down, that's what... That's what we practice for is to be able to play situations out like that. And absolutely, folks, absolutely. So we love that. What else do we get here? Another quote. This time by Robert Sala. All right. Once again, Robert Sala. We still have this up. Um, Y'all thought I forgot about this. Robert Sala is the worst head coach in the NFL right now. We said this because he didn't get Zach Wilson signed by day one of training camp. He was signed by day two. A little unfortunate. And then we've been not hearing the greatest um, confidence from Robert Sala on Zach Wilson saying, you know, for most rookies, it gets worse before it gets better. It's not something you want to say to your quarterback. I mean, can we start, you know, praising them up? Even if it's not true, I mean, you know, dogging or digging your quarterbacks, it's not going to make them play any better. So let's see what Robert Sala is saying here. Head coach Robert Sala noted this week, that some struggles for rookies are to be expected, saying, quote, it's not easy to play quarterback in this league as a rookie, especially quarterback, but it is going to get worse before it gets better. But he has a he has at that point now where he's going to be able to stack up days. We have the utmost confidence in him and his ability and his ability to figure out the mistakes and correct them and get to a better play. So Robert Sala, a little bit of a backhand. You know, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but we have the utmost confidence in him, and we hope he can stack uh, stack up good days. And once again, that's, you know, another thing that we have taken away in this offseason, in this training camp, is, you know, stacking good days on top of good days on top of good, uh, on top of good days on top of good days. Players are saying this. Rookie players are saying this. Head coaches are saying this. This is something that we definitely want to see. And this is why we like Justin Fields, because we have seen the good days on top of good days on top of Good days. Tua is having good days on top of good days on top of good days. I know we haven't really been talking about Tua a lot, but that is just because um, we never had our doubts on Tua, so we're not really trying to prove anything to anybody uh, by you know forcing his plays down your throats. But just know, watch out for Tua. He's he's coming this season, folks. It's uh it's nothing y'all can do. Y'all can try and run and hide, but he's coming. It's. Tua's coming out party this this NFL season, and he's going to be absolutely fantastic. He's going to be magnificent. He's going to put everybody on notice. So just just uh, you know, if you if you want to run, if you want to try to get the head start of the running, folks, you got a month. It is officially one month. It starts um, September 12th, and today is August 12th. So one full month of running. Let's see how far y'all can get. But the man is coming. The man is coming. Tua time is here. TT baby. TT. So, that's where we're at with Zach Wilson, folks. 
We haven't really seen good days on top of good days on top of good days. We maybe see, you know, one good day here or there. But we just said the so-so day, what was it, two days ago on the show? Nothing great, just meh. So we need to start seeing the good days on top of good days on top of good days. And we'll see if we can kind of start that in preseason. Who's his first preseason matchup? What do we got the Jets looking like in their preseason game? Can't wait for that. Ooh, that show the following day when we can watch. Hopefully Game Pass. Game Pass. The people that run Game Pass. I don't know who y'all are, but you better make sure that those preseason games are up there to watch the following day. You understand me? Because there's no time to waste here. We can't take a day out of the show because you're not prepared. So be on your shit, please. Um, here we go. <clears throat> the Jets have the Giants. Both at home. So, it's a pretty good ease into it, I would say. Not bad overall. So, definitely got to see what Zach Wilson's looking like in that preseason game. He's favorites, folks. I just looked at the line. They're minus one and a half. We'll see what he can do. All right. Let's keep moving on here. Here we go. Talk about Derek Carr. And, ooh, an interesting quote right here. And this is, uh, this is interesting. A narrative that we can definitely start watching. This is another narrative that isn't going to kind of be solved by the end of this season. Just like, you know, that uh, new number, these new passing numbers that we have to watch for. Completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, yards in a season because of the extra added game. So it's going to throw our, you know, our, our marks off a little bit. <laughs> we'll have to, you know, take a season or two to kind of get up to date on that of truly what is the standard of good and bad and all that. But there's this other narrative that's kind of um, being written once again because of Tom Brady, once again, breaking all of the old school rules, playing till you're 100 years old. So we get this quote by Derek Carr. Derek Carr, I'm playing football until he's 45, says, quote, I feel like I'm 20. I honestly believe this, that our generation, the way we can take care of our bodies with football, I think 30 is the new 20, folks. So, I mean, father time is not catching up with Tom Brady. We're entering this new era, folks, this new era. The Big Benz, the Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers is kind of in the middle of this generation in the last generation, but those kind of, you know, quarterbacks, Big Ben's going to re be retiring last se next season, Drew Brees retired this season, Phillip Rivers retired this season, so that's kind of the old age of quarterback, and that was still good, I mean, getting to like 38, 39, 40, what was Drew Brees, 42? So, getting to that age, but now we're in this new era. The Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr even, that are, you know, actively working on their bodies. The new technology, the high, um, what is it, um... Um, the hydro, uh, it's right on the high, it's right on the tip of my tongue, folks. The cold chamber, the one that freezes your body, LeBron's but hypothermic chamber, all of that, you know, getting your body, making sure it's right in the recovery process in the, uh, what, what, what are like the three? It's like recovery something. Oh my goodness. I'm blanking on that too, but it's just all of that process you know, getting ready for a week football, you know, resting and recovery and the hypo. Um, I just lost it again, folks. I truly apologize. Um, hypothermic. Is that what it is? Hypothermal chamber? Something like that? The cold, folks. It freezes you. It freezes you. Uh, so, you know, LeBron's got one in his house. Tom Brady does it. Eating healthy. Now we know what is actually right with nutrition and we don't have the 
garbage food pyramid anymore i mean folks what the hell was that the food pyramid uh, telling you to eat like 1000 carbs a day it's like what what are you trying to kill us was that was that the goal i don't i don't want to get conspiratorial but what the hell was that about because we're kind of starting to learn that the food pyramid was kind of bullshit and uh we're learning that we're figuring it out nutrition athleticism Saving your body is, you know, the new wave. It's really the new wave, especially with these athletes and the trainers that have millions of dollars that can afford all of this and take care of their bodies the right way. So watch out for these quarterbacks and maybe just players in general. We'll kind of, you know, see the wide, rece wide receiver position as we're entering this new age of wide receivers and just overall new era of athleticism. And that's something, you know, I kind of put a decent amount of stake into is that we're always progressing and athletes and just uh, players are always going to continue to get better and better and better and better. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, great quarterbacks from the 80s and the 70s and even the 60s, I'm like, I can't, I, I got to say that everybody right now is better than them. Yes, they were great for their time, but I mean, are you are we going to call, you know, Dan Marino the greatest of all time or anything like that? It's just like, I can't. I mean, he played in the 80s now. 90s. It's like competition has risen. Athleticism has risen and gotten to a higher standard. So, um, and you know, that maybe that's just something that's going to come with age. Obviously, you know, I'm young. I'm only 25. Um, you know, I have my one generation. I'm, you know, I grew up on the Tom Brady's. I grew up on the Big Ben's. I grew up on the Phillip Rivers. I'm growing up on the Aaron Rodgers. So now as we're entering this new wave and I can start kind of firsthand compare you know the last generation to this generation and two generations from now to the Tom Brady's and four or five generations from now back to the Tom Brady's and I've got this great perspective of watching everything live and everything unfolding right in front of my eyes and then I can go and compare and then once again test this narrative that just you know athleticism you know the quarterbacks now in the uh, the 2030s are going to be better than you know what they were now in the 10s and the teens and all of that. And the ones from the 50s are going to be better than the ones in the 2030s. And the ones from the 2060s are going to be better than the 2050s and all that. But that is going to be something that you know I'm just going to have to experience and then you know retool and think about. Um, because we all hear, you know, these kind of, you know, old, I don't want to call them old heads, but the OGs, you know, sports commentators and analysis and all that saying, oh my God, you know, Michael Jordan was the best. And, you know, because they lived through that. I, you know, I didn't live through the Michael Jordan era. I've, I've lived through the LeBron era. So I kind of consider LeBron James the greatest of all time just because I wasn't able to see Michael Jordan live in every single game, year in, year out, year in, year out for his entire career. But, you know, kind of the OG media has the older heads out there are saying, you know, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. So they're kind of holding on to their past. Do they truly believe that? Or is that something that they're just like, you know, what, I'm just sticking to, you know, what I grew up with. And that's why I consider great. So that's just going to be something that we, you know, watch for. And we'll, you know, update it as much as we can, how often as we can, because that's what we do here on the show. So watch out for this new wave, folks. Uh, the new wave of quarterbacks playing into their 50s potential. I mean, if Tom Brady's going to 45, I mean, is it out of the realm of going to your 50 when, you know, maybe not this generation of quarterback, maybe next generation going to 50? Just being wild? <laughs> being wild now? I don't know. So Derek Carr is feeling good, folks. And uh, he's got some great numbers these last three seasons. Got to translate the wins, but... I wouldn't mind watching Derek Carr playing till he's 45 with all these numbers that he's putting up. Great completion percentage, great yards. We love it. Touchdowns, a little light. That's it. But 
Oh, other than that, you've got no problem watching Derek Carr until he's 45. Got, definitely got to watch Patty Mahomes until he's 45. I mean, geez, got to. Uh, but Derek Carr is up there. We'll give him his credit. <clears throat> so he's feeling good, folks. All right, here we go. Let's keep moving on here. Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer was at the podium. And once again, I just don't believe anything this man says. Is that bad? Uh, I know you don't have to kind of be right to the media, like forthright and honest with the media. I, I get that. But I just don't believe anything that this man says. And they, it stems from the Tebow thing of, you know, how, he, how he's trying to kind of say he didn't have a big hand in signing Tim Tebow. Folks, that's the only connection. <laughs> that's the only connection, Urban Meyer. Tim Tebow. That's the only connection. Don't I'm not buying into this that, you know, his coaches, his coaching staff kind of, you know, approached him and all this and took it from there. I'm not buying any of that. And then we get this little quick quote here. I don't know how much y'all want to read into this. I don't know. But a reporter asks some um, Let me get the exact wording up here. Hang on. The reporter asks, is there really a chance you won't start Trevor Lawrence next month against the Texans? Is there a chance you won't start Trevor Lawrence? It wasn't phrase, you know, um, you know, are you going to start Trevor Lawrence? Um, are you going to start Gardner Minshew? Is, are, let me get it again. I lost it. Is there really a chance? Is there really a chance? Because that's what we've been saying. You know, you just drafted this man number one overall. So, of course, we know he's going to be your starter. And saying that there's an open quarterback battle, I've got no problems with. But at the end of the day, you're just taking away valuable reps with the ones with your main man that you know at the end of the day is going to be starting. So, that's kind of where we have the little bit of an issue here with Urban Meyer is just like, we all know. And if you start Gardner Minshew, hey, I'll say I'm wrong. I've got no problem with that. But, I mean, is he? Does Gardner Minshew really have a shot here of being the starting quarterback? It's just I don't think so. And I can't get behind it. But Urban Meyer kind of playing this game of really not telling the truth and kind of I don't know what his end goal is. I don't know what his aim is here by doing all this, by separating himself from Tim Tebow, by not immediately calling Trevor Lawrence the day one, week one starter. I don't know what his end game goal is here. And we have to remember that this man is still a first time head coach in the NFL. So maybe he's trying to outsmart everybody, but you know, maybe it could definitely backfire in his face. So this is definitely something we have to watch with Urban Meyer here this season, just of how well of a head coach he is. A couple years removed from the sport in general and never a first time uh, coach in the NFL. So... Ugh. So he may just try, be trying to outsmart everybody in the room here. And, hey, I'll, I'll give you credit. You know, uh, do whatever you think is best. But there's reasons why, you know, we, we, we have, you know, 75 years of head coaching, head coaches in this league. It's like there was a reason why they didn't do all these things because it doesn't work. So, but is there really a chance Trevor Lawrence won't start Week one against the Texans. And then Urban Meyer goes to say, is there really a chance? Uh, well, we'll answer that when, uh, you know, when it gets a little bit closer. So it's just like, you know, he's trying to dance around the issue a little bit. That's just what I'm trying to hear. I don't think I'm trying to make this fit this narrative. I, I you know, I truly look at everything, you know, very unobjectively, uh, unobjectably, however it pronounced it's a lot of syllables in that folks um objective that's the base word um <laughs> so 
I don't know, man. It's just he, he doesn't give off like an authentic vibe to me for some reason. But maybe I'm reading too much into this. I'm trying not to. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but it's just something about it, dude. I don't know. Is there really a chance Trevor Lawrence won't start week one? Is there a chance? Well, uh, we'll look at that when it gets closer. We'll evaluate that as it gets closer. It's just like, if this is open quarterback competition, wouldn't you just be like, yeah, it's open quarterback competition. We're going to see how it plays out. Now, uh, take a couple seconds. Well, we'll, you know, we'll figure that out when it gets closer. So it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know how much I believe this is a true open quarterback competition. We know Gardner Minshew only is here in Jacksonville because he wants to be the starter. I mean, he would have demanded a trade. We know he would have demanded a trade if they came out and said Trevor Lawrence is the week one starter. So, once again, Urban Meyer kind of has a little bit of an incentive not to name Trevor Lawrence the week one starter. You get great competition out of Gardner Minshew, and that helps push push Trevor Lawrence, but that also raises Gardner Minshew's trade status on the trade block. Maybe you can get a number one pick. Uh, maybe you get a number two pick. If Gardner Minshew doesn't play, you only probably get a you know fifth, sixth, maybe fourth round pick, but now that Gardner Minshew is playing and he's pushing Trevor Lawrence and this is an open quarterback competition here in Jacksonville, you increase his trade value to maybe a round two, round three, maybe a round one. Could, would that be crazy, folks, if Gardner Minshew gets traded for a first round pick that'd be absolutely crazy but there's des there could be desperate quarterbacks teams here this year that just need to win and just need that quarterback piece so maybe this is the big brain play Urban Meyer's going with but at the same time he may be shooting himself in the foot just a little bit just a little bit and once again only time will tell how much uh but if Trevor Lawrence is floundering come week one. He is named the starter, and he's floundering week two, three, four, five. They go 0-6, 0-7, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence just isn't truly quite prepared because he didn't have those reps with the ones because you were giving them to Gardner Minshew. It's going to be interesting, folks. It's going to be interesting, but I just don't buy the man. I don't buy everything he says. So that's just where we're at with Urban Meyer and the Jags, folks. All right, real quick news right here. Lions went and released veteran quarter uh, cornerback Quentin Dunbar. Now, we know, you know, Richard Sherman is still available at the cornerback position, but is Quentin Dunbar a good cornerback for your team to go out and get if you need a cornerback? We know the Saints are kind of looking for one currently at the moment. Um, so is Quentin Dunbar the answer? Let's quickly look at our favorite website, playerprofile.com, and we got him up here, and... Um, it's not. I would not get. That. I would not get this man. First of all, he missed a lot of games last season, folks. He only played in one, two, three, four, five, six games last season. Couple of injuries. He had knee swelling week two. He missed two games. A knee injury week nine, and he missed the rest of the season after that. So he does have a little bit of an injury history right here. Uh, but even worse than the injury history is, folks, we look at what corners are doing against the A1 Tier 1 wide receivers in this league, kind of judging what you're giving up, if you're getting consistently burned, if you're locking up the twos but not the ones, are you locking up the ones and the twos? So that's what we like to watch, uh, look for here on this playerprofile.com website. And Quinn Dunbar was getting absolutely smoked, folks, by the ones. Julio Jones, week one, 7 of 10 for 131 yards allowed. Oh, my goodness. Demir Bird. 7 of 11 for 92 yards. He had a pass breakup and a pick. I'll give him that. Um, 
He locked up Justin Jefferson. I'll give him that one. One of four for nine yards. But then against DeAndre Hopkins, 10 of 13 for 110 yards. Big old burn right there. Against Stephon Diggs, the last game he played of the season, week nine, 12 of 14 for 100. You let Stephon Diggs put up 184 yards on you? Oh, my gosh. So... Quinn Dunbar, he's a little bit of an injury concern, but, I mean, just getting burned by the best. So, um, I don't know if I go up and pick Quinn Dunbar. Maybe um, our man Dan Campbell out there is making the right choice here, cleaning up the team a little bit, getting the scrubs out of here. Um, so, we'll see if Quinn Dunbar le lands anywhere else, but he just got released by the Lions here, folks. So, a little, uh, does your team does your team want that? Somebody that's giving up 182 yards against Stephon Diggs? That's not what I want on my team. I, I cut this man too. I released this man too. So we'll keep an eye on if anybody picks him up. All right. Let's go into this a little bit here. Still talking about the lines. And uh, this one, we haven't really touched base on in a while. So I definitely want to read this. So... We're not truly buying Dan Campbell. Um, I'm not the biggest believer in Panay Sewell. Um, the lineman that the line selected first round. And I, how high was it? Like seventh or something? Maybe even lower than that. Uh, let's get the draft up quickly right here. This ESPN website is so trash, yo. I, I don't know what the hell is going on, man. It's just, they've got the worst website I've ever seen. It's like, no wonder why y'all can't, um, <laughs> y'all really cannot pay people to, um, it's not even loading anymore, folks. It's like, geez, Louise, ESPN, get your shit together, please. No wonder why you can't pay anybody to be on your network anymore. Jeez. Oh my goodness, we are in the 21st century, folks. I mean, media, technology, internet, websites, please get it working functionally and looking clean. Um, and uh, when we're on that subject, HBO Max, can you please fix your streaming service? Because it's absolutely a hassle if you want to rewind and fast forward something. It's so delayed and, geez, folks, it's just like, what are we doing? What are we doing out here, folks? But back to this. I digress. Here we go. Uh, so a little article written right here. And, uh, this was, uh, well, who is, well, we'll see what this is. Uh, is this the man that tweeted it out? Mm, we'll see what this article is about. Uh, and who it's written by, but an article written where Panay Sewell is struggling early in first training camp. So we don't really buy Panay Sewell's too much. We thought it was a little bit of an overreach for the Lions. There was solid lineman depth right here, and they kind of went and got him in the first round. And he was kind of, you know, what the media was saying was the best kind of lineman in this draft, but we weren't impressed by him. This was the only lineman that we watched because we're not going to watch linemen, you know, folks. We're going to watch the skill players. We'll let everybody else handle the lineman talk and all that, and we'll see what they say and see if it matches up with what we were seeing on there. But we did watch Panay Sewell. And it was just nothing great. I mean, I don't think he was like that great as everyone's making him out to be. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, only time will tell and we'll see. But I mean, I thought it was a little bit of an overreach. And Dan Campbell, this was his first big, you know, decision here as a head coach. I didn't really like that. He plays um, left tackle. 
But now they have to move him to right tackle because they already have a good left tackle. So now you're taking this man that's never played right tackle and expecting him to be as good as he was at left tackle, at right tackle, on the struggling team that has really nothing great going for it. So we just uh, overall, it wasn't the best decision. Um, and we weren't the biggest believers in Panay Sewell. And now it seems like he's struggling a little early here in training camp. And we heard that, you know, him saying, you know, learning that new position of the right tackle is going to kind of, you know, be a little bit of a bit of of a bit of a learning curve and all that and it's just like uh, was that the best decision overreach on a position player that has to switch positions it's just like not the biggest believer in it so let's see what this article is all about right here um, this is Fan Nation with all Lions fans let's see the writer of this man John McCarron so if y'all know that man this is who's writing this but let's see what he's saying here let's get a nice little update on Panay Sewell so let's see what's going on here any player learning to play a new position in the NFL will force will face a steep learning curve. For first round pick Panay Sewell, the intric intricacies of moving over and playing the right tackle position are being learned on a daily basis. Quote by Panay Sewell. Enjoy every learning curve because it's going it's going to be battles. I'm in the league now. I'm here with the big boys, so I just got to know that everything happens for a reason. Early in training camp, Sewell has demonstrated athleticism and footwork that will allow him to grow quickly at becoming a force along the offensive line. It is important to note that Sewell has not played competitive football in over 12 months, but he has faced his lumps against veterans along the defensive line. Early on, one area of Sewell's game has been a struggle pass protection. Detroit's defensive linemen and outside linebackers have been able to use crafty inside moves to blow past Sewell, Austin Bryant, Bruce Hector, Deshaun Hand, Romeo Okora, and Josh Deshaun Cornell have all battled Sewell and given him all he could handle the first three weeks of camp. According to an observation from USA Today's Lions Wire, quote, Sewell has a tendency to get his weight set to the outside and quicker moves to the inside are beating him. This isn't the first day Sewell had had this issue, and it's a reminder that he's a 20-year-old who hasn't played football in almost two full years. It shows at times. So another just kind of knock, you know, of everything that the Lions did, I don't think this was the right decision. But he could prove us wrong, and we'll see what he's looking like. I'm sure he's going to get some solid burn here in preseason to shore, shore him up a little bit. Let's finish the article right here. While it may take slightly longer than expected for Sewell to acclimate, matching up against the team's top players on defense will speed up his learning curve. That is true. Quote, uh, who is this? Uh, this is Dan Campbell, head coach here. Quote, that actually gives me hope because I know Romeo is going to give him a full day's work every day. Walk through to the finish of practice start to end. He's going to get somebody that's got length and a motor. He's crafty, knows how to use the skills. He's going to force this guy to get better fast. So, you know, we know, uh, you know, there's videos floating around here. Uh, on Twitter about, you know, Dan Campbell and the whole Lions organization being so happy that uh, Panay Sewell was able to drop down to the Lions in the draft. And, uh, you know, they were big on him. So, you know, we're, you know, we'll give them the kind of benefit of the doubt that they know what they were looking for and know what they wanted. But, you know, moving them to an, the other side of the line, a little bit of a learning curve right here. Offensive linemen don't make the most immediate impact 
as rookies. So, you know, you're trying to, you know, a little bit of a rebuild here and do the things your way. I get it. Um, and it seems like um, where Urban Meyer is trying to not do the rebuild process. He, I mean, we just talked about it a couple of days ago on the show that, uh, you know, Urban Meyer is trying to expedite the kind of rebuilding process and really kind of not even calling it a rebuilding process uh, because they want to win now. Dan Campbell taking a little bit of a different approach, truly doing the long rebuild and that doesn't really pan out when was the last time a long rebuild has ever worked folks has it ever worked a long rebuild that at the end of it they won a ring when was the last time that happened i can't think of one do you call the seahawks a total rebuild you get russell wilson bringing p carroll But, I mean, that wasn't even a full rebuild. I mean, what did Russell Wilson win a ring his second year in the league? I mean, how many years did they have Russell Wilson? So, I don't even know if we can count that. So, we'll see. Once again, I'm not the biggest buyer into Dan Campbell. I'll, I'll, you know... I'll give him. I'll try to give him the benefit of the doubt, folks. It's it's hard to do that. It's, It's harder and harder to do that every single day when we have to hear from the man. But, I'm not... Knocking on anybody just to knock on people, folks. I I want to see players be great. I want to see everybody be great, but I, I just don't know about this Lions team, folks. It's like they haven't made the right decision in the last 20 years. So, like, now Dan Campbell's the guy. We'll see. So, Panay Sewell, learning curve, trying to get better. Probably won't be that big impact player come week one. All right, here we go. We get this now. Um, ESPN is hiring former NFL quarterback Alex Smith as an NFL analyst. Don't think he's going to be um, with Teddy Bridgewater in the booth. We kind of know Teddy Bridgewater is pretty much going to be doing um, Monday Night Football. So let's see what we get in this article just to kind of see the true extent Alex Smith is going to be doing here at ESPN. Uh, So let's see if we get anything good here. ESPN is adding another quarterback. The Post has learned. The recently retired Alex Smith has signed on to be an analyst across ESPN NFL shows. For his rookie TV season, Smith will just be dipping his toes in the analyst game as opposed to taking on a full-time role. He will appear on shows like Monday Night NFL countdown amongst others. However, if both sides like how it goes, it could lead to a larger commitment. Smith had tryouts to become a Sunday game analyst for both Fox and CBS. Fox decided to sign Mark Sanchez while CBS will not replace Rich Gannon. So couldn't make kind of that broadcast role. Um, we kind of know RG3, he was kind of big on the broadcast role, you know, bidding war between Fox and ESPN. But um, good for Alex Smith right here. Um, I think he's got great insight. I think he's kind of got just a good pe- personality overall. He's likable, um, you know, comeback player of the year and all that. I mean, fans are loving him, so he's definitely gonna, going to attract attention here of ESPN. Hopefully he can knock this job right out of the park, and I don't think I would have any problem with uh, Alex Smith on ESPN because we need, we desperately need some better talent here, at least football-wise on ESPN, folks. I mean, it's almost unwatchable, folks. I mean, I don't like to knock anybody because uh, who am I to talk, but, I mean, geez, geez, geez. It's just like I have to mute it. 
It's unfortunate, folks. I mute ESPN. CBS, oh, I'll listen to Tony Romo. I'll listen to that pregame show all day long. Fox, forget about it. They got one of the best pregame shows there is. Um, they got some good announcers. Joe Buck, I'm loving it. Um, he's got the best call in the game, folks, baseball and football. I mean, you can just go to YouTube and watch up, watch up, watch up Joe Buck's best calls ever, and uh, you'll be satisfied. I will guarantee you that. So, Everyone's got it down besides ESPN, and they are, like, folks, this is what we're talking about. They got a trash website. They don't even know how to do sports. What What are y'all doing? Y'all have had, y'all are the only network, the mainstream network of sports every single minute. And y'all can't even get it right. Jeez. So, uh, ESPN is just trash. It's unfortunate, but... Hopefully Alex, Alex Smith can kind of start being a little bit better and uh, turn around this uh, network, but it's going to take more than just him. So we'll see what he's got this season. All right, a couple more stories that we can potentially run through quickly. We'll see. Uh, Chicago Bears starter Andy Dalton is expected to play only a couple of series, and we can expect a lot out of Justin Fields in preseason game number one, and this is fantastic. This is great. Well, you know, I've got no problem Andy Dalton being the starter here in training camp, uh, but we got money on the line. You, our whole rep, folks, you don't know how how big I've been pushing this <laughs> Justin Fields the week one starter. I'm posting this all over Twitter. I'm making it out there. I'm saying it every day on the show. Go out and bet Justin Fields to be the week one starter. So our reputation is a little bit on the line, and this is good right here that we can see Justin Fields out in preseason for the majority of the game so we can kind of start saying, all right, this man can get it done. If he can get it done in preseason, then we can elevate him to the starting position. So glad that Andy Dalton is going to be starting preseason because that's only a couple of drives, but we're going to get a full force of um, Justin Fields. And as we're talking about the Bears, what is their first preseason game? Ooh, they got the Dolphins. That Dolphins defense? I mean, if Justin Fields can go against that, maybe we're talking about something good. And, uh, you know, that can uh, shore up our Justin Fields will be the week one starter. And as we're talking about that, uh, let's just quickly see if there's anything updated on that line did it go up did it go down it'll probably move a little bit um either for good or for bad depending on how well or bad he does and um in these preseason games but uh, justin fields to be the week one starter is still plus 400 folks still plus 400 doesn't seem like any have really changed has not seen any has really changed. Um, Deshaun Watson is still at plus 550. Jameis Winston is still at minus 190. So, watch out for Justin Fields in preseason, folks. He's going to get his uh, big old workload. All right, so let's move on to this. Another quick story right here. I mean, folks, 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 we just got big on Saquon Barkley finally being back out there. And now what did we get yesterday? New York Giants, some notable players on offense who did not practice. Saquon Barkley. Great. Great, folks. I don't think a week one return is in, is in the cards. And I'm depressed. I'm upset. I'm depressed. Uh, Kadarius Tony also didn't play, and uh, Kenny Galladay also did not practice yesterday. So, Saquon, man, Saquon, Saquon, folks, we just want to see him out there. We just want to see the man run, run. That's all we want to do. Is that too much to ask to see another grown man run? <sighs> Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. 
All right, we get a little update on Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday, and it sounded like it did not go good. This guy on Twitter, uh, publisher of Sports Illustrated All 49ers, he's got 19,000 followers on Twitter, so we'll take it you know, with a little grain of salt, but we'll still kind of you know, say it, it means a little something. It holds a little weight, not a lot, little tiny weight right here. But he says this. Let me get it up because I accidentally just closed it out. This man says this. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays week one the way he played today, which was yesterday during practice, he won't play week two. And now we know some of these teams are having joint combined practices just to kind of get a little extra feel of going against another defense that maybe has better players overall across the board at some uh, select positions and just a team that do isn't familiar with what y'all know and what you can get away with and what the tricks are and seeing if they kind of work against a team that doesn't know so Jimmy Garoppolo going against another defense out here if Jimmy Garoppolo plays week one the way he played today he won't play week two once again another kind of big spot for Trey Lance because we've been hearing some great things about him so we can see Trey Lance in preseason and see how he works out all right, and then we get this. Chicago Bears, Justin Fields shined, shined, shined in joint practice with the Dolphins. The Bears and the Dolphins are practicing because they are facing each other this week. Um, and once again, here's our uh, Twitter clip right here that we said on the show. Have y'all bet Justin Fields be the week one starter at plus 400 odds yet? And we've been pacing this all over social media. So we have stake in this, folks. Our reputation is on the line. Forget the money. I don't care about the money, folks. I do this for the I do this for the reputation, for the clout. Give me the clout. <laughs> um, so Chicago Bears, Justin Fields shined, shined. Andy Dalton shined. Do we got a story about Andy Dalton shining? No. We got Justin Fields shining, shine bright like a diamond. Come on, folks. The man's the week one starter. Could we all stop playing this game? <laughs> Vegas, will you stop playing the game? Matt Nagy, will you stop playing the game? We know. We know. Say it. So we can cash in. Damn. All righty. Another clip out of here of training camp. And sheesh. All right. Uh, once again, this is uh, teams going against teams here. This was a joint practice yesterday between the Broncos and the Vikings. And y'all know we are big on Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Broncos. And this man just put absolutely the footwork on this man. Look at this cut and footwork. Ooh, that quick little cut right there. Burned the corner. And he was able to kind of make a wide open catch. He was able to kind of get that solid half a yard of separation right there and he's able to be wide open open across the middle of the field for you know a nice completion right there easy peasy so once again we're big on Jerry Judy we know he's going to be fantastic and uh you know that's why this quarterback uh is truly important for this Broncos team because they believe that they are a quarterback plug-and-play away from kind of being contenders here in the AFC. I don't think as much as plug-and-play as the Colts are, but they still got a real solid defense, a real solid offense, pieces all over the field, but they just need that quarterback, and uh, Jerry Judy is definitely not going to be the person holding this team back if there is any. So Jerry Judy getting in that great work here in training camp, beating uh, Vikings corners. And can't really see, is this Patrick? Uh, that doesn't look like Patrick Peterson. Newly acquired Viking right here. Don't really know what this uh, corner is doing. Don't know who that is. I guess we can potentially try to look it up quickly. Very, very quickly. Don't even want to spend time on this. Uh, but we'll see. Um, number 24 for the Vikings. Corner. 
Patrick Peterson, I don't think is number 24, and that name didn't really seem to look like the name on the jersey. Uh, Patrick Peterson is number seven, so that's not him. Uh, Rashad Breland, Rashad Breland, I don't think that was him either, and that's number 21. So we're looking at maybe a second string. Um, it may have been this one, Mackenzie Alexander. Kind of look like a big name on the back of the jersey, and there he is, Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, let's see what Mackenzie Alexander was doing. One interception last year with the Bengals. Let's go to uh, playerprofile.com and see what he's doing. Is he locking up? Is he a good corner? Is he a solid corner for uh, Justin Jefferson to be burning right here? So let's see what Mackenzie Alexander was doing last season. Missed one, maybe two games. About three games last season. Against Keenan Allen, 0 of 2 for 0 yards. Against Jarvis Landry, 3 of 3 for 63 yards. It's a big old burn. Against Zach Paschko, 4 of 5 for 50 yards. Against Jarvis Landry, round 2, 4 of 5 for 88 yards and a pass breakup. Another burn. Um, James Washington of the Steelers, 0 of 0. Steve Sims, 1 of 2 for 3 yards, but he's nothing good. Golden Tate, 4 of 8 for 37 yards, 3 pass breakups. CeeDee Lamb, 4 of 4 for 70 yards. Once again, another big burn there. Juju Smith-Schuster, 3 of 4 for 28 yards, a pass breakup, and an interception. Not bad on him. So, overall, he's not the best. So, Justin, um, Jerry Judy burning him, maybe not the best in the grand scheme of things. But overall, it's just that great footwork of uh, Jerry Judy out there. So, fantastic there. Great, great watching that man work. All right, and then watching, you know, cornerback wide receivers work here in joint, or no, this is not joint practices, but this is rookie corner going against Keenan Allen, the best wide receiver for this Chargers team. So Asante Samuel absolutely locking up Keenan Allen, folks. Just look at this. Look at this great play right here. Here we go, Asante Samuel in the blue. Keenan Allen in the white, great footwork there, keeping in front of them, and then coming up and playing the ball and breaking it up. Keenan Allen got no separation from Asante Samuel Jr. out here. No separation at all, and you can see the height disparity. You can see the size disparity right here, folks. I mean, just look at this, folks. Look at the size between the wide receiver. Uh, just so much more bigger, more beefier than Asante Samuel is, but he's got great speed, great size, great or not even great size, but just great technique and great speed to keep up with them. And then just to go out there and uh, bat away the ball, fantastic. So Asante Samuel Jr. being truly a shutdown cornerback out here. And that's great. We don't really have him truly that high here on our cornerback big board. Um, he isn't last, but he's number four out of the five that we went into heavily depth into. We got Patrick Sertain, one. J.C. Horn, two. Caleb Farley, three, and then Asante Samuel, four, above Greg Newsom, who we have number five. So Asante Samuel looking to play the part right here, looking to be in that starting rotation of corners for this Chargers team and rookie kind of emerging. We'll definitely take that. So watch out for Asante Samuel Jr. And, uh, you know, we all know the dad, Asante Samuel, fantastic as well. So he learned a lot from him, obviously. All right, last story to go over here. Uh, we got another top five takeaways, this time from Albert Breer on the Raiders training camp. So let's see what he's saying. We just want to really kind of get a great look at um, John Gruden. That's really it. Um, all the moves that he's been making haven't really, you know, been the biggest home run hitters in the eyes of the media. A little bit of an overreach sometimes. Um, going into his fourth year here, and we need wins. Uh, so let's see what Albert Breer has to say about what the Raiders have been doing in training camp. So here we go. Takeaway number one. 
two st skill guys to watch. Wide receiver Brian Edwards and tight end Foster Moreo. Oh, you ain't got to tell us to watch tight ends, baby. We'll watch that man all day. Injuries limited both in the past. Each looks stronger, is playing faster in 21. Both will have roles. And, uh, you know, the great thing about... The tight end right here, Forrest uh, Foster Moreo, is that he only has to play kind of second fiddle over Darren Waller. So hopefully he can get a little bit burned with kind of, you know, the second team and all that and, uh, you know, elevate his spot here because we know, uh, you know, tight ends, tight end university, folks, how many times do we have to say it? And unfortunately for Foster, Foster Moreo, that man did not get invited. So unfortunate. All right, takeaway number two, depth is good on offense. Willie Sneed's another example. Staff loves the vet, his vet presence, so that's another great thing. That's veteran presence, and then just that depth there at just the offensive position, and that's something that we have, you know, decently, you know, said about here. For this Raiders team, we absolutely love the offense. They've got really skilled players everywhere. They even have kind of two deep running backs as well. Um, wide receiver goes deep on deep. You know, Willie Sneed's like their fourth option, I think we've said. We can quickly take a quick look at their depth chart. Josh Jacobs, Kenya Drake in the backfield. We all know we love that. Darren Waller, we don't. you don't even need a number two. Uh, but, I mean, their wide receivers, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, John Browns, Zay Jones. Willie Sneed is listed as their six, folks, six. And we're big fans of John Brown, the speedster out there. So they've got speed and height, folks. We talk about that all the time. So they do have great depth. And, once again, Albert Breer agreeing with us, folks. you got to give us some credit here at some point. I don't know when, but uh, you got to give us some credit. We've been boasting. We've been gushing about the Raiders depth on offense. All right, here we go. Takeaway number three. Provided good health, the defensive line should be improved. They've consistently challenged in a reshuffled offensive line, and Yannick Ngankwe should make a difference as a rusher. All right, we are a little hesitant on Yannick Ngankwe because he was kind of the big name in free agency last season, and he didn't really do anything. So let's see if we can kind of get back to that big form that everyone was kind of hyping him up to be in 2020, in the 2020 season. Just unfortunately never really got to that point, unfortunately. All right, uh, takeaway number four, Trayvon Morig, their rookie safety. Yes, and we have him number one on our safety big board, Trayvon Morig. So Trayvon Morig has impressed, can do a little bit of everything, and is showing rare cover skills for a safety, and that's great because they already have a good safety. And um, – uh, Jonathan Abram, so if they can get Trayvon Mulrig up to speed and then have Trayvon Mullen and Casey Hayward Jr. as their corner, the defensive backs here for the Raiders could be another bright spot outshining potentially the offensive uh, just depth there as well. So if they can get Trayvon Mulrig up to speed and good to go week one, once again, the Raiders have all the pieces to be good. John Gruden, we're looking at you to lead this team and be that main kind of pinpoint to bring everything together on a weekend, weekend consistent basis because that is something we have not seen from the Raiders the last two seasons. Consistency in winning. They haven't done it, folks. Seven, eight wins. Nothing great. And then the last takeaway, takeaway number five here. Depth is an issue on defense at just about every spot. And I saw it the day I was there with the concern with Trayvon Mullen got nicked up. Gus Bradley simplifying the scheme, getting the guys playing fast, but he needs horses to make it work. So health will be key. All righty. So the defense 
not as deep as the offense, and if there's any injuries there, the whole tower can come down. So once again, maybe a little bit of an overreach in the draft there with the offensive linemen in the first round. Maybe should have shored up the defense even more. Maybe go out and get some of these free agent corners. Go out and get a nice veteran presence in Richard Sherman. Maybe you go out and try and get Quentin Dunbar to see if he fits for your team, but... The lack of depth here in defense could be truly bad here. And, you know, we know if you don't have a good defense, you don't got a good team. And, you know, we need to start seeing wins and results here by this Raiders team with John Gruden. So the offense, it's been their shining bright spot for the last two seasons. It's just the defense. And once again, the defense is a little paper thin. So maybe John Gruden isn't the man, folks. That's a narrative we're watching. Put up or shut up. It's year four. Yes, you have a 10-year deal. Not coach, Barely any coaches ever get that. I don't think any coaches ever really got that unless you're Bill Belichick. Um, but you usually get like two, three. You get one year. You get one buffer year. Got to start seeing improvements year two. And then have to kind of start seeing, you know, knocking on the door of the playoffs by year three. And if you're not in the playoffs by year four, I mean, you're out of there. So, John Gruden. Let's see what you got. His defense still not great depth, unfortunate. All righty. Um, so let's end the show here. We're unfortunately not going to be able to get to an NFL team refresher. We may not even finish these, folks. I don't even know, folks. We're just going long. There's a lot of stories to talk about. And now we're starting to get into preseason. And we're going to have to be breaking down those games because, I mean, that's more important than doing an overall recap of what's been going on. So we'll try to fit them in. And we want to do them. It's just we may not be able to get around to them, which is unfortunate. So let's close out the show on our official picks for tonight's preseason games. We got two of them on, so let's start here with the Steelers and the Eagles. All right, what do we not like about the Steelers in preseason game number one? We don't like their quarterbacks. I mean, they're gonna Big Ben's not playing. We know this. Najee Harris should be able to get a little bit more burn here, so expect maybe a full half of Najee Harris, at least a full quarter. So that could definitely help move the Steelers on offense. But overall, we really didn't even like... The Steelers quarterbacks moving the ball. I mean, Mason Rudolph, I don't even think, put up any points. They didn't even score until the second half. So it's just like we can't really rely on the Steelers quarterback group to really move down the ball to score points. They're also on the road. Never a great sign for preseason games. Now they're going against the Eagles, which we do like because they've got two quarterbacks. We expect Jalen Hurts to probably play a solid amount because he hasn't won the starting job yet, so maybe a first full half. And then we got Joe Flacco, who's still decently competing for the job, I guess, but he's able to move the ball down the field as well, and we can maybe buy this Eagles offense just a little bit more than we can the Steelers, and they are at home. So we are going to be taking the Eagles today minus one in the preseason game against the Steelers. It's really just coming down to how well they can move the, move the ball on offense because that was kind of the main takeaway in the Hall of Fame game, the first preseason game of the season. Cowboys didn't have anybody to move the ball. Steelers, they didn't really have anybody else, but once they got to Dwayne Haskins, it was kind of the third group going against the third group, the fourth group going against the fourth group. The Steelers were able to kind of move the ball a little bit better where the Cowboys' fourth-string, third-string quarterback couldn't even move the ball then either, so... We're going to go with the Eagles here because we think we can get a lot of play, a lot of play out of here uh, by Jalen Hurts. All righty. And then we get Washington in the Patriots. And didn't this one just start at Patriots plus two? Am I bugging? Did this come down this much? We told y'all we liked the pa Patriots plus two. Wasn't that what it is? 
Yeah! Washington minus two opened up at. We said it was Patriots plus two last yesterday on the show, folks. And now it's now Patriots minus one, folks. See, y'all were listening. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. We kind of told you we were choosing the Patriots yesterday on the show plus two. We thought that was great value. And now it's Patriots minus one. Jeez Louise. Um, We know... <sighs> Will somebody give us our gosh dang due, folks? I don't care if it's got, it's a if it's a big do. I want a small little do out here, folks. A small is that too much to ask for, folks? When have we ever been wrong, folks? Come on, I want a little do on this that we loved Patriots plus two, and then just 24 hours later it goes all the way. That's a three point flip, folks. That's big. Patriots plus two to Patriots minus one, big time, and we called it first, so. I don't know, folks. I want a small little do. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. But here we go. Washington Patriots, folks. Washington now my plus one. Patriots now minus one. And I still like this Patriots team, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Washington, it's not a quarterback competition. I don't even know how much they play Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, does he need to go out there and prove anything? He's basically the starter. He's playing fantastic in training camp. All the players are loving him being the starting quarterback. He's been in this league for 10 years, folks. We know what he can do. So I don't expect a lot of play out of here by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Expect a lot by Taylor Heineke, and he is still competing for the job. So expect Taylor Heineke to try and do all he can. But now he's playing with the twos, and this Washington team isn't that deep at receiver, really deep anywhere in skill position. They are also on the road. Then we get the Patriots. Cam Newton, he's going to be starting. And once again, it's a little bit of a quarterback competition here. Cam Newton doesn't have to do that much to win the starting job, but he is going to be out there for this uh, preseason game, and he is going to be playing and, you know, solid, maybe a first full quarter, maybe even a first full half. I don't think a first full half, but I definitely think a first full quarter. And then we've got Mac Jones. Once again, he's competing for the starting spot as well. He could go out and win the starting job. They are also at home. It's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is going to have this team ready to rock, folks. I mean, they're at home. It's Bill Belichick. No messing around. He will have his guys ready to go. The starters, the second team, the third string, and the fourth string. They will all be ready to go. Where Washington, we had a little bit of a distraction with the COVID scenario, where I, like they're, they were like one of the lowest vaccinated teams overall. And then we had Ron Rivera come out and be like, "Hey, I'm immunocompromising. Y'all are still not getting gonna get the vaccine." So a little maybe. May, I mean, folks, it's real minuscule. I'm not putting that much weight into this, but maybe a slight, slight divide overall on the team just because of the COVID scenario. I'm talking slight. I don't, I'm not even putting that much weight into it, folks. But I do think it's something there. It's something there. So I'm taking the Patriots straight up here. Um, minus one, straight up, whatever. We'll go minus one. We locked in plus two yesterday, basically, basically. Uh, so we're going with the Patriots here. Uh, Cam Newton trying it out and uh, Mac Jones seeing what he can do. So. That's what we're taking tonight, folks, in the two preseason games. Eagles, minus one at home. Patriots, minus one at home. We'll take the home teams. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We are back live noon Eastern tomorrow doing it all again. Um, what do we got? Anything breaking? Anything br 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 breaking? Um, oh, what is this? 
My conversation with Cowboys, Dak Prescott, and Mike McCarthy about getting healthy leadership, their growing relationship, and more. Ooh, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Um, an article. Y'all know we love those articles. And especially about the Dak McCarthy relationship because we just called it awkward yesterday on the show when we were breaking down the hard knocks. So we'll see what they're saying about each other. All right, what else we get here? Justin Herbert won't play all preseason. Wow, interesting. All right, Justin Herbert, he's too good. We know he doesn't need to play in preseason. He doesn't even need to play in the regular season. Just start that man in the Super Bowl. He'll be ready to go. All right, what else do we get here? Any other nuggets of information? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Um, all right, that seems to be it. That seems to be it. Kyle Shanahan says Jimmy Garoppolo will play one series Saturday, then hopes Trey Lance will play the rest of the first half. Wow. Okay. Okay. Alrighty, folks. We're going to like this tweet and see what Jalen Waddle's got tomorrow on the show. Alright, folks. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We are back live tomorrow noon Eastern. You're not going to want to miss it, folks. I'm going to tell you right now. You're not going to want to miss it. Why? You'll just have to see. <laughs> uh, so come back tomorrow. Um, all right. Daniel Jones won't play in the preseason opener against the Jets. All right. All right. Now I think we're out of here. Now we're out of here. All right, folks. We're out of here. See you.